This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Everybody and welcome to Philly's Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined once again by John Brazier, our director of fun and games and man about town. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Richie Ashburn broadcast booth at Citizen Bank Park. I like throwing the Richie Ashburn thing in there. Uh, uh, as you John. should. As yeah. you should. We're looking at pictures of him right now. I know. It's just so cool to be here. We always say it, but uh, we love it. We love it. And we're back again for another great show. And, John, you are a man about town because in your younger days, you used to go out into town, and you were a big music guy. You would go to every concert. I really admired how— Actually, I'm, I'm still going to <laughs> tons yeah. of concerts. I, I really admire how you abandon your family right. just about every night to go to another other live well, venue to back see. Back then, uh, I started late, so I didn't really have a family until my early 40s. But uh, like you, you, you know, we're both concert guys. We used yes. to go to tons of concerts as kids here yes. growing up in Philadelphia. We always compare um, going to JFK, right, and going seeing a lot of the great Spectrum shows. Uh, and since I've known you for now 25 years, We've gone to tons of concerts ourselves. We have. We have. Memorable. We memorable it. ones. <laughs> we have. We had some fun times. I mean, the last one we went together, it was the Grateful Dead or Dead and Friends, and you fell asleep during during Dark Star. I don't, well, it, that's part of the Space Jam. I always <laughs> yes, fall asleep during Space was. Jam. So. Sorry. You get a dispensation for that. But, no. and, and we also went to the Eagles uh, concert at the Wells Fargo Center, although... Um, we were talking about bucket list, what bands we should see, and I said the Eagles for me, and you said you dummy, <laughs> you went to the Eagles. We went, we yeah. went three years ago. I know we so we went I, to that I show forgot. together, and then of course there's the infamous Little Feet concert. That was the best at the Keswick. Uh, I went with John. We had great seats, and uh, I love Little Feet, one of the greatest bands of all time. And they start into Dixie Chicken, and I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of, you know, one of the last songs uh, probably of the show. And so I told you. What did I say, John? I said, I'll be right back. Right. And I'm thinking you're going to get going to the bathroom, you're getting a beer, you're doing something, and you didn't come back for, well. Well, about 10 minutes later, uh, you saw the Philly Fanatic running down the aisle yes. uh, at the Keswick Theater, right down in the first row. And Paul Barrere, who was the lead singer, Little Feet, looked down, saw the Fanatic, brought him right up on stage, and the Fanatic jammed with Little Feet for their encore. But the best part about that was, Tom, and, you, know, you and I both know uh, Paul. We've gotten to know him because Paul's a big baseball fan. And after the show, I went up to Paul and I said, that's great, man. You set the, when did you set that up with uh, the Fanatic's best friend? And he said, I didn't. I assumed you set that up. And, <laughs> and no. next thing you know, you come strolling. La, da, 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 da. <laughs> and we're both looking at you like, oh, my God. The Fanatic just got the urge. The Fanatic got the urge. That was such a great concert. He said, you know what? I'm going out up on, on stage. So uh, that was a great night. But the Fanatic's also been on stage with uh, the Dropkick Murphys. Yes, right? that's I was, right. I was at that show with yeah. you on that. Yeah. Uh, I was also at the show with the Pat McGee Band. 
Was yeah. that the, that was at the <laughs> TLA or Electric Factory, I think, or TLA? Yeah, TLA. One of the two, I think right? It was, yeah. And you were, I know I wasn't here, but I remember Billy Joel uh, sung into the Fanatic Snout. Yeah, yeah, right? the vet. And then again, when he was, uh, was playing here uh, two years ago, the Fanatic was right there in row one, and he looked down and smiled. And, uh, you know, the Fanatic's a big concert goer, too. John. So what was yeah, your, before we, because yeah. uh, we have some stories to tell, but what was your favorite concert as a kid? As a kid? Growing up. What was you the most what? memorable concert? It, my, it was my favorite still is to this day. The, my first live concert at the Spectrum was Bruce Springsteen, the River Tour, summer of uh, July of 81 in the sweltering heat. He played three shows. It was my first concert, and I walked out of there drenched from sweat because I was jumping up and down the whole concert, and I just couldn't believe, like, oh, my gosh, that's what I've been missing all this time. That's a live concert. I mean, Bruce was awesome. It's still the greatest show I've ever been to. So my first concert was uh, Yes in the Round at the Spectrum. I, think <laughs> I was, wasn't allowed to go I think to that. I was my seventh, parents wouldn't I was let in me go. Seventh grade, <laughs> uh, but my most memorable concert again was I, I went to a lot of those JFK shows, which were mm. just awesome. There were so many great shows, uh, but I think that my favorite one was, uh, and maybe because I was younger and I was totally into Southern rock. I mean, I was really into Southern rock when I was younger. Me too. And so the Roundup with Leonard Skinner. Remember, it was Leonard yeah. Skinner, the Outlaws. the Outlaws, Marshall Tucker. Yeah. Uh, Thirty-eight. Spe- Special. Um, who am I? Uh, Almond Brothers? I think the Almond Brothers. Mm, I don't the think Brothers the Almond Brothers were there. No. I would have loved to have been in that show because I totally was into it. I forget where I was, but I did not go to the Roundup. I mean, JFK. Leonard Skinner one more from the road. I think I wore that album out. Yeah. 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 So, but basically, we're telling these stories because both of us had the opportunity, right? Because yes. of our love for music. Yes. We were actually the, would you call it the DJs, the yeah. DJs. We were at the, the DJs at the vet, and uh, yeah, what I thought too, John. You know, we have Mark Wyatt coming in. He's uh, we're really going backstage, by the way, because that's a name not many people know. But if you've been to a sporting event, either Phillies, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, in the last twenty plus years, you know Mark's work because he's been basically the DJ for the Philadelphia sports scene for the last twenty years. And, and think about it, he's got to cover all genres. Yes. You know, like baseball is a different genre than basketball and football and and hockey. So and and different, you know, he's got to play music. I'm assuming we'll ask, have to ask him this question. You know, what's 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 it like to have the different? You know, yeah, what, are you are you playing different music for the different sports? Absolutely. Yeah, when you go to a Flyers game, it's a little different than if uh, the music's going to be a little different than at a Phillies game. Right. So, uh, so yeah, we've been part of that. You know, a little bit of history, and and I know. John, we pride ourselves for our lack of preparation for this show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but I actually, you know, because it is pretty cool. We're kind of a part of this this tradition. A little of, fraternity. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's live music at sporting events. You think, well, yeah. How how did that all start? So I did a little research, John. Look I might, at you. I know you are a big trivia guy. I might even throw a couple trivia questions Uh-oh. your way. So when you think of live music at sporting events, of course, it was the Olympics. Really, was the first time they married. You know, having live music back in in Greece so, you know they would have a philharmonic or some kind of orchestra playing live at the Olympic Games on the island so I thought of Delphi that was, that was very, I thought that was very interesting but anyway uh, then you think football you think football, college yeah, yep. football and marching bands were yep. a big thing back in like the late 1800s. Um, I mean, the greatest story ever when the uh, Stanford marching band got ran over by the, <laughs> yeah. by the football player. That's a classic. Right? That's a, the all-time blooper. Do you, can I, uh, I'll ask you a trivia question. The first college to have their own marching band was 1845. Take a guess. 1845. Okay. I'm going to say everything starts out west. So I'm going to say probably UCLA. No. 
How about was it Ivy League school? They're the first, it seems like, in everything. Notre Dame. Notre Dame, Eight, okay. 1845. And then in 1887, that marching band appeared at a football game for the first time. So it's the first time, 1887, that a marching band appeared at a uh, football game. And then soon uh, after that, schools started coming up with fight songs. Can you name the college that came up with their own fight song? The first fight song. I'll say Uni- University song. of Michigan. I'm going to throw that out there. Boston University. It was a song called For Boston. Now how am so I going to guess Boston <laughs> University? Listen, you throw these <laughs> trivia questions out uh, to people, is, and it's payback. like, it's a little bit of payback. Um, Does Mark Wyatt realize he's getting a quiz at the, uh, <laughs> at the end of this? So then in 1908, Jack Norworth wrote a little ditty. Do you know what song Jack Norworth wrote in 1908? Was it about Jack and Diane? <laughs> no, that would be uh, <laughs> that was John little, Mellencamp. That was a little ditty. That was a little ditty about Jack and Diane. So, I'm sorry. Say 1908, again? Jack yes. Norworth wrote this song. Give me, like, context. Like, what do you mean, what song? <laughs> Come on. Like, this, is, this is history. This is, John, this is big. This is big. I, I don't know. How about Take Me Out to the Ball Take Game? Take Me Out to the Ball Game, yes. It was set to music by Albert Von Tilzer. So you were on, I was on football. You just had me trained on football. See, so I, you threw me you off there. You throw our guests off every okay. week. I'm throwing you off. But you know, I know the president that was uh, for Take Me Out to the Ball Game that did the seventh inning stretch, right? It was uh, it was Taft, I believe. Was he the that first? Ta- yeah, Taft stood up oh. during the uh, take me out to the ball game, and then when the president stood up, everyone stood, stood up. up. So and that's how the that's how this, I believe that's how the stretch happened. How about that? Because I couldn't stretch. find that. I, when yeah. I'm looking at the music, I was like, well, when did we start stretching? But th- look at you coming back with some good trivia. Thank well, you, John. I'm assuming it's Taft. Someone's going to be doing their homework <laughs> and realize it's somebody else. Let, one other tidbit about take me out to the uh, ball game. This Jack Norworth was on a subway. And he saw signs that said, uh, baseball today at the polo grounds while he was riding the subway. So he wrote this little song. He didn't go to a baseball game until 32 years later. Afterwards? <laughs> yeah. He didn't go to his first game till 1940. Wow. And he wrote the song in 1908. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, that song was sung at a high school game uh, in 1934. And then later that year, it was sung at a ballpark uh, at the World Series in 1934. And what's the guy's name? Uh, Jack Norworth. Wrote on a name. subway, kind of like Francis Scott Key wrote the uh, Star Spangled Banner on a ship. On a cocktail right? napkin, he, he right? Was, he was, well, no, he was, he, was, he was being held captive by the British on the, uh, in Baltimore. That? Yeah, huh. on the Sea of or Baltimore Harbor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good it. trivia. Well, one last little bit of trivia here. So then, do you know April 26th, 1941, what does that date mean to you? April 26th, 1941, Ray Nelson. Ray Nelson. I, he was the first something. Um, he was the first, I have no idea. <laughs> he was the first <laughs> organist. Organist, Yeah, wow. he was an organist at Wrigley Field. The first time they ever that? used an organ uh, in baseball was... What did I say his name was? was? Ray Nelson. There it is. There he is. Shocking. And then uh, that And we had the pleasure of working with exactly. the, the great Paul, Paul Richardson. Richardson. And th- that was my long drawn out you know, intro to how Paul got started. Paul Richardson was hired by Bill Giles in 1970. He played the last year at Connie Mack Stadium. And then, of course, he played for the next uh, 35 years. He was at 35 years. He uh, retired in 2005. No longer with us. We both uh, you know, loved Paul. Loved Paul. Um, I loved it. He had the, his little 
booth that was next yeah. to the Fanavision room. Yes. And it was on a rickety, if you remember, like it was almost like on a rickety wooden floor, right? Yes. And he, and it had them all by himself. And I don't know about you, but I used to love like when you gave ballpark tours like during the game. You know, now we 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 take a lot some people down to see the World Series trophies, or you show them around, you know, the press box. Um, but the cool things back then, it's say, hey, do you want to see the uh, the organist like in action? And Paul loved that. Paul oh, loved, performing. loved performing. And so we, we'd bring people into that little booth, and Paul would be in the middle of doing his yep. you know, little sound effects and, uh, and yeah. just loved it. Yeah, he loved it. And he loved getting a new organ, too, you know, uh, because as you know, in those 35 years, technology changed, and his organs wound up getting better and better, more sound effects, more sounds, and he loved it. You know, he really loved it. Loved being, and there. then we used to play off each other, and I yeah. know you did too. Yep. That you, because luckily the music guy was was right next to you. Could you could make eye contact with Paul? Yeah. So I would point to him, or he would point to me, saying, "All right, so just so we didn't bleed into each other." Right. So the recorded right. music and the and the organ music. So it was uh, it was it was great times. Back yeah, then. going back and forth, and and that leads us to you know, John. I I started uh, up in the control room uh, in 1991. So I had three years: 91, 92, 93. Which, as you know, that really is such a fun place to work when you're in. It's basically the nerve center of the game. Uh, you're you're you know you're totally on top of the game. As playing the music, you get to kind of control the crowd as right. far well, as you totally. know the music that you're, you're playing. You're a puppeteer. You're, you're, you yeah. you can manipulate Absolutely. the crowd by whatever you're playing, the and, sound effects. And and Paul was a master at that. So, you know, when, when I know when I first got started, they really wanted to have more recorded music played. So, uh, you know, it was a little it was a little dicey because you'd hate to cut Paul out, right. you know, but if you had music to play. But he was always great about it. Like, yep. he, he understood it. And uh, and he was great at it, too. He, he could come up with some really spontaneous little, you know, little sound effects or, or songs or ways to get the crowd going, you know, just actually when I was looking... Looking it up uh, on Wikipedia, they they credit him for the da 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 the really? charge fanfare. Well, really? Wow. And also on Wikipedia it says he's credited for uh, walk up music for players, which I know you. It wasn't as big when I was doing it with the recorded music, but I think when you took over for me, all of a sudden that trend started. Well, the whole walk up. Jason music Stark stuff. wrote an article uh, yeah. about it actually, and I kind of stumbled into it. He was talking about walk up music. Uh, I think it was a couple years ago down in spring training. And he knew I did the music, um, and he started asking me questions, and we figured out, you know, he was literally almost finished the article. He figured out that Lenny Dykstra, back in 1994, was the first player to ever request walk-up music. Now, I guess Trevor Hoffman, maybe he was, you know, had Hell's Bells. I believe that was. Okay, yeah. Would, that be, would Trevor be before that, right? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, um, maybe around the same There, there time. was players that had music mm-hmm. played, but it wasn't, the players hadn't requested that. Right. And so... Uh, I remember this is my first year. I took over the music from you in 1994. Yep. Yep. So first of all, 93 must have been awesome for you. For me, it was because uh, I wasn't hanging out with the Fanatic as much that year. Um, you know, certainly not at the games. Dave Raymond was still around. So for me to watch that whole season unfold from the control room right. was just uh, a great place to see and to be able to, you know, uh, we had you know, sellout crowds. We had right. over 20, 25 sellout crowds that year at the vet, you know, 60,000 people. And to be able to just pump that crowd well, up. I can great. remember the music from that era. I wasn't even working for the Phillies mm. yet, but I remember whoop, there it is. And, <laughs> yeah. Or whoop, there it is. Oh, and yeah. you had spin doctors, yes. uh, two princes or, uh, Hey, since we're talking about, can I just tell you my favorite moment from that season? Yes. So 93, um, you know, uh, we go to the playoffs. We've got the Atlanta Braves, the National League Championship Series. And at the time, 
it was kind of a loosey-goosey in that control room. And we had a vice president of marketing at the time. His name was Dennis Mannion. Of course, you remember Dennis. John, I think he yeah. hired you. Yeah. And uh, Dennis was really laser focused like we have you know we're we're in the playoffs we've got to clean up our act a little bit in control room and just really make sure we know what we're doing and so it was game one and we had this great psych video that they put to music i forget what that was and then when the players took the field like dennis is like asking me what song are you going to play when they take the field and he wanted specific shots of the faces of the players. You know, Lenny Dykstra, Darren Dalton, close-up shots. He was very focused on what he wanted. And uh, I came up with Elvis Costello's Pump It Up. Yep. And I just thought, yeah, pump it up. Danny Jackson does the pump it up. And it's just the driving beat. And I'll never forget, they take the, they take the field, and I play the song Pump It Up. The, the vet was shaking was shaking and I just remember people like up you know doing the pogo in their seats everybody was jumping up and down because it has that driving beat I'm like oh my god and even in the control room we're looking at each other like this place is going nuts right now Schilling comes out and strikes out the first five guys game one of the NLCS and it was just I just remember after that game I'm getting goosebumps talking about it just the control room. You we, felt you were part of it. I really did. And the and the, the whole fan division control room had a great night that night. I just remember thinking we were just so excited that we were kind of play, we're like I think we helped like get this game going, you know, with the way we kind of rocked the crowd. Why don't we? I'm going to save my the Lenny Dykstra story. Yes. Um, that again, Jason Stark wrote about. Let's let's bring on Mark Wyatt yes. uh, for the next segment, and we'll and we'll 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 tell him the story about the first walk-up music by Lenny Dykstra. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious to see how Mark got started, because I mean, to be able to pump up not just the Phillies crowd, but the Eagles, Sixers, Flyers for over 20 years, to me, it's just awesome. So uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back. Celebrate 90s style and music at the Phillies 1990s Retro Night. Wear your shoulder pads and skinny ties and take lots of selfies Friday, June 8th at 7.05 against the Brewers. Tickets and more info at phillies.com. And we're back. Phillies backstage. Mark Wyatt has just come in. The uh, Mark, we're your title, I don't know your official title, but we're calling you uh, Ballpark DJ. Okay. That works for you, right? I'm usually the music guy, but whatever you want. <laughs> the no music guy. Type. The music guy works. Yes. You know, before you came in, we were talking about uh, players. We were talking about 93. Uh, John, you know, you, you were talking about uh, walk-up music, right? Well, actually, yes. As I said, Jason Stark um, did an article, and he kind of stumbled into um, – we, we had him just be talking, and he was almost finished this article, and then he had to change the article because I think uh, he realized that Lenny Dykstra was the first one to request music was basically for walk-up music. We they had played DJs had played walk-up music for players, but this is the first time a player actually asked the music guy. So I remember 1994, about literally one month into my job, uh, Larry Shank, my boss at the time, who was the head of uh, legendary PR director, said, "Hey, Lenny wants to see you." Right. So when I hear that, I said, "Oh God, like I'm in trouble here." And at the time, I was, I was, I went on some radio stations. I was, you know, first part of my job. And my first thought was, "Oh my God, I said something on the radio that upset Lenny." But I, I couldn't imagine what I said. But that's my only thought. That's how he would. So I go out on the field, middle of batting practice, and uh, Lenny said, "All right, dude, we got to change some things up." So I still have no idea what he's talking about. And he goes, uh, you know, he's spitting out there. There's batting practice going on, balls flying everywhere. He goes, I want you to play, uh, the first time I come up to bat, play Hooting the Blowfish, Hold My Hand. 
I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, okay, this is easy. I'm not getting in trouble. I said, all right, no problem. He said, dude, when you when I get in the batter's box, he goes, pull it down, pull it down. I want you know, just right when I get in the batter's box. I said, no problem. So I said, is that it? He goes, no, no. He goes, dude, the second time you come out to bat, and he goes, play. Uh, he's thinking for like about a minute, and he goes, play Tom Petty, don't back down. So I'm like, all right. He goes, same thing, dude. Put it, you know, pull it, pull it down when I'm in the batter's box. I said, how about the third time? He's thinking for about two minutes. Balls are flying everywhere. I'm, you know, a little nervous. He wants me to play uh, Elton John, uh, Philadelphia Freedom. And he didn't care where – oh, and I said, do you want me to start in the beginning? He said, yes. Yeah. So Elton John, he said, I don't care where you play that one. And then I said, how about the fourth time? Again, he's keeping me out there for two minutes. He goes, dude, if I, if I get a hit in none of those first three, play that one again because, you know, he's very superstitious. And sure enough, I'm doing that. Everybody, as you guys know, it's a fraternity up there. You got Dan Baker. You got the, all the guys up on the, you know, the replay. And it's like, you know, 15, 20 people up there. I'm catching all kinds of grief from everybody because I'm especially when I played Philadelphia Freedom. They're like, "Come on, Lenny doesn't like Ellen John." You know, they're killing me. Well, then the second game, I didn't tell anybody. Second game, I'm doing the same music and I'm catching even more grief. And then I finally, Lenny, luckily, I think went one for eight. You know, the two games, and I said, "You know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, just, I'm catching too much grief from everybody else." That's funny. And now that's a big part of your job, right, Mark? Because uh, you took over uh, in uh, what's it like '97 or '98? '98. '98 was yes. your first year. Okay. Yep. And how did that come about? Um, I was doing the music over at the Phantoms, and um, the person that was doing the music at the ballpark then, at, at the vet, um, just left in the middle of the year. Like yeah, Harlan what? Hendrickson, I think he I, went on to he go went to, to Denver. Avalanche. To yeah. Denver, yes. Yep. And um, I knew Anthony Fanicola, who was running the um, scoreboard room then, and he said, um, "If you want to do it, we have an opening." Jump in if you want. And I said, okay. Now, you were only doing Phantom games? Weren't you doing uh, and not Flyers? Or, uh, I wasn't doing the Flyers yet, and I wasn't doing the Sixers, Sixers. yet. Mm-hmm. And um, the the year went on, and this, the Eagles played there. So I was there, and the, the person left and went to Florida. So that just sort of fell in my lap, too, after the Phillies season. After the S- Phillies. And then how did it come to pass that you started with the uh, Flyers and the Sixers? I think at the Sixers, um, the next year – the DJ there was um, let go. You know, I'm starting to see a pattern here. Did you have anything to do with these people disappearing? <laughs> like, are you? No, I had them rubbed out. I was basically it was Jimmy Hoffa. Don't start digging anywhere. Um, no, and um, <laughs> mysteriously <laughs> ran off the road <laughs> in the cliffs of Malibu. He looks so innocent. Yeah, Man, I, 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 I hate I, to be uh, a DJ before him. No, I was busy. So um, anyway, I, I, I got the Sixers job because he um, apparently played the wrong music for the dancers. Oh. And um, was that the, under Croce? Uh, that was not under Croce yet. Um, okay. And then um, the Flyers, um, the the person that was doing the Flyers. Um, got a different job during the day, and he couldn't get up to the Flyers at night fast enough. So, and I had already done the Phantoms, so they moved me over to the Flyers. Yeah. So that it just sort of f- all fell together in a year. So let me ask you a question. So when I did it, and when Tom did it, uh, it, it was using carts. They literally had yep. eight-track tapes, and then we had a rack, and even for sound effects. So for uh, a siren or for you know even little music clips, it was all in a cart that you had to rewind after you played it. You had to rewind it and put it in there. Now you know there's like it's. You're using this system that's everything's built in, obviously, electronically and digitally, and yes. you can basically just hit buttons or whatever, and you have different 
So how was yeah. it when you first started? It was the it was the, the what you're talking about, and it just sort of developed in a few years quickly as more stadiums I think began to get music. Um, we had one, and it all came together. Yeah, if so I you know it, in, in it, 1991 when I started up there. Um, uh, the only thing they had was the city cart machine and a tape, uh, a cassette player. <laughs> yes. And so it was uh, tough. we it run back and forth and used because the city cart machine was on the other side of the room and, and you kind of have to run back and forth and then playing a cassette, you'd have to cue it up. Right. And then yep. in 1992, they purchased a CD player. And I remember wow. thinking, oh my gosh, a mm. CD player, this is so much better. Yep. And then they started that uh, instant. Dactronics. That, yes. Yeah. That, well, no, that instant button. replay. Instant yes. replay. Yes. That's right. That's Right. Which had a lot of songs programmed into it already, yeah. and you could put stuff in there. That was hard to. I never really got the hang of that. Well, you, you had to Probably keep a had. list though, because you didn't know where anything was. Right. You know, right, right. It only had fifty keys on it, so you that was fifty songs. But yeah. you know, you wanted to have access to now. You know, now uh, click effects are they still using? Now it's called Stadium uh, Click Effects. Stadium that's the click. software, and that's the basically the best software for playing music hmm. in arenas and stadiums around the world. So uh, we have we have the best. Yeah. And it's, it's much better. It's and it's probably much more prevalent. Again, like when we were, again, Lenny Dexter was the exception. You know, we would play, Tom and I would play music for what, really what we wanted to play, right? <laughs> I would play my taste, you would play your taste. And we try to, i try to, you know, branch out, obviously, knowing that not everyone likes my taste. Otherwise, we'd be all Grateful Dead and Almond Brothers. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the uh, but the funny thing is, uh, you know, I had players, a couple of players came up to me for stuff. I remember Wayne Gomes. Wayne okay. Gomes just became the closer, and he said, hey, can he hand me a cassette tape? Can you play this? So I said, okay. So during the game, there was a, there was a slow moment, and I said, I better listen to what's on this cassette tape. And it was a, some rap song that was that was definitely, if not R-rated, even worse, right. throwing out all kinds of words. And so obviously I didn't play it. So after the game or the next day, I said, hey, Wayne, man, he gave me some cassette that I can't play that song. He's like, why not? I said, are you kidding me? It's right. like I found you. Well, that opens up a few things, a couple <laughs> questions. First of all, uh, do you get players uh, now who uh, maybe not just the walk-up music because they do request walk-up they, music, They right? request walk-up music and they request where it starts. Most okay. the most say just play it from the top, but some say where it starts and where, you know, that type of thing. And yeah. they switch yeah. up too, right? Right. And not as much this year, but occasionally they have. Like like you were saying, my first bat, I want to do this. Right. My second bat, I want to do that. Whatever. They're, most of them now are just one song or, or maybe two. That's it. I mean, for right Chase, now. you had cashmere for, <laughs> yeah. for all That's years. all you needed. Yes. Right. And yeah. I, uh, listening to the, uh, or watching the game last night, Chase, you know, still uses cashmere <laughs> walking up in, in uh, L.A. Yeah, he had a bat last and night. And Chase is the first music we ever played for an, a visiting player when he came up to bat. Ah, there you that's, go. There's that's a little good. trivia question yeah, for he, the future. When he first came ba uh, back, when, right? When he first came back with the Dodgers, um, we talked about it and we played it for his first walk-up. Yeah. Well, let's, 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 go through some, let's go through some players and see if you had, like, who did what. So we'll go with that, stay with that 2008 team. So uh, Ryan Howard, did he switch up a lot? or did he, he did. Ryan Howard and... Um, and Jimmy Rollins, up, yeah. yes, they both switched their music up about uh, I don't know, maybe every two weeks they switched. And around. was it the same kind of genre, or yeah, I don't know, they were the same kind of genre, but uh, they they did mix it up quite a bit. Okay, they did. They picked a lot of different now, songs. Pat so. Pearl, I remember he did Dirty Laundry. Pat Pearl did that. Oh, yeah, right? that's right. Yes, yes, I remember did. that one. Yep. And he also, um, but he also had that. Um, what was it other? It was like a band by like Scorpion, or he had the, the other one that was um, uh, Diver Down. Right? Was it Diver Down? Uh, yeah, he might have used that for a short time, but he used Dirty Laundry for a long time. Right. Um, 
Yeah, how, about, I, how about the pitchers coming out, like Brad Lidge? Brad Lidge, I can't Was remember. Was that Hell's what, Bells? I don't think so. No, no. No, he did um, well a couple things. Well, Ender Sandman was Mariano, but I know a few uh, uh, pitchers stole, you know, the uh, Ender Sandman. Right. You know, we yeah. use that for a lot of a lot of guys. Cole Hamels yeah. would usually do country of some sort. Yeah, they, right. And they changed a lot. I mean, they during the season they would change, just like you were saying. It would, you know, as things went along and they they were doing well, they stuck with it. If they started not to do as well, they changed. They're very superstitious, ben, I think. Ben Revere, I, in our headsets, they're playing something out in the ballpark right now. They're playing happy yeah. for, for Hell Williams. And I remember that's what Ben Revere asked for, right, Mark? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly, and, you yeah, know, you it's kind of a teeny bopper song to some degree. And yeah. I think his first uh, time he ran into a slump, you know, he's coming up and there's happy playing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they had was, to cancel that one. like, yeah, we won't use happy anymore. <laughs> Did anybody but, request Justin Bieber? I don't think anybody has ever requested yeah. Justin Bieber. Tommy Joseph um, shut up and danced with me. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and people ask me why certain players pick certain songs. Like, yeah. why would they ever pick that? There's no rhyme or reason to anything yeah. that they pick. They're all over the map. I, and I mean, I've, you know, I've given some sacred. requests to some of the players. Just say, hey, you ought to listen to this. And you know, I get. Yeah. <laughs> I know you've done that. I, yeah, they're all over the place. And also, there was one song I, I thought you would ask me about. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a player, and I can't remember who it was. He asked for a certain song. The song was about four minutes and 40 seconds long, and all I have to play is about 20 seconds to get him up to the plate. Right. There wasn't that much clean music in that whole right, song. Right, right, right. None. So I played the wow. instrumental. Because I couldn't, there wasn't 20 seconds of clean music in that whole. And I know you, you really do scour these songs. You, ha- you, have, you have to. to. And yeah. I think that's something that's come about. More, you know, lately, I don't think that was that prevalent back when you guys were doing this. Well, well but sometimes, no, I, well, yeah, because I've got, I've got a big well, gaff that luckily my, my, I had a gaff too. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the pregame music, I had a cassette where it was like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's pregame, I'm going to put the cassette on. And then I'm going to grab a bite to eat. And, you know, it's while the fans are coming into the ballpark and this music's playing. And Paul Richardson, as a matter of fact, comes in. <laughs> comes in. He comes like like a bat out of hell into the into the press club where I'm eating. He's like, uh, you got to get out there. Well, what's Paul? You got to get out there. You, you got the song playing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just got my tape going. And he goes, no, it's that Jimmy Buffett song. It's that Jimmy Buffett song. I'm like, what, what Jimmy Buffett song? And then I remembered. It's, it's a Uh-oh. song called uh, Get Drunk and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, it yes. had some questions. And it's Jimmy Buffett. It's like, right. it's not rap. It's not, you know, gangster rap or anything. I'm like, well, how could I be in? But then when I thought, oh, I know what song's playing out well, there. Well, I did the same thing because I put on, during a game, this is not batting practice, during a game, I put on Warren Zevon, Excitable Boy. So great again, song. I wasn't, really, great song, right? So I put it out there and it's like, and he killed her and blanked her and he took her <laughs> home. Excitable <laughs> Boy. They all, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, boy. dug up the, her grave <laughs> and filled a cave wow. with her bones. <laughs> pull that <pull> <laughs> that one down. <laughs> you, there's a lot. There's a lot more things that go into this than you would hey, think. No. Yeah. Billy Joel, just don't play Billy Joel, Captain Jack. That'd uh, get you in trouble. Can't do that no. one either. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah but nowadays, a lo- there's a lot of that music, and the players like that music, and a lot yeah. of it really is questionable, right? Well, now we even have some some players that want Spanish music or mm. you know other languages. Oh, right. So you have to make sure that that's so we have to make sure that's anything. clean. Right? How do you do you that? Know, I don't speak that. You don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Diego, the translator. Diego comes in and listens to the. Does he really? Yes, that's and, awesome. uh, and it pro- 
improves the, the part that we're going to play. So as long as I only need like 30 seconds to get up to the plate, that's the only part of the song we're going to play. Now, so, Mark, I also okay. want to tell you that uh, Tom and I, who, you know, we were kind of like the, we were back basically like the equated to the baseball players that had old antiquated uh, uniforms and, and, <laughs> and equipment. And, you know, we can't compare to the modern. So you're the modern and we're the old. So we'll show you that Tom and I, two quick stories that Tom and I'll show you that we weren't exactly uh, equipped to be the uh, program directors for the for the so one one thing for me and Tom can tell his story is one thing for me is John Timberlake is our you know as you know is our head of Florida operations so his nephew he told me this is back in '95 or whatever he said oh my nephew's in a big in a big band they're huge in Europe they're coming over to the states uh, can we get him to sing the national anthem I was like ah I'm sitting there in my head going yeah right this guy's gonna be big right <laughs> these guys so I said um, hey uh, hey John the national anthem's taken right even though it wasn't I said the national anthem's taken but uh, you know, why don't we have him sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which is always kind of the, you know, hey, it's the easy one. You can't mess it up. It's not as high profile, right? And I'm not, I'm not going to catch heat from everybody in the office. And sure enough, uh, they, they did it. And they were kind of upset that they didn't weren't able to do national anthem, and they still hold the grudge. It was in sync. His his oh, his, his, his obviously his nephew is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh and, no! And, and I I totally told him they couldn't do <laughs> yeah. the national anthem because they weren't going to be big. <laughs> and Tom, I think you have a story as well. Very similar. I'm playing the music. Wow. I'm in the control room. Tug McGraw steps in. I knew Tug Tug at the time. Says, Hey, Tom. He knows knew that I was playing the music, and he goes, uh, yeah, my son, uh, Tim, is uh, doing uh, music now, and he hands me a cassette, and it's a picture of Tim McGraw with a cowboy hat, like in this black uh, outfit with a cowboy hat, and he goes, yeah, he's singing music, uh, country music now. I'm like, oh, wow, that's great, Tug, super. I said, he goes, so if you can if you can play it, you know, maybe a song or two, and uh, he leaves, and of course, we had some real characters in that room, Chris Pohl and some other folks, Anthony, and Tug leaves, and I start breaking out laughing. I'm like, ha, ha. I'm like, Tug McGraw's son singing country music. And I had a box. Maybe you have a similar box uh, of, of reject music. And I just threw it right into the reject pile. And uh, about a, six now, months later, he was the biggest country star in, on the planet. Now so. it's just a delete button. Just delete it. Yeah, you delete it. If right. anybody has any comments, I just go, it's over. Yeah. You'll never hear that again. Yeah, that's and gone. That's yeah. Push up a button. Yeah. All right. You know what? We're going to take a little break, Mark. And uh, when we come back, we're we got some more to ask you. We got some more uh, stories. So uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with Mark Wyatt. Celebrate 90s style and music at the Phillies 1990s Retro Night. Wear your shoulder pads and skinny ties and take lots of selfies Friday, June 8th at 7.05 against the Brewers. Tickets and more info at phillies.com. And we are back, Phillies backstage, John Brazier and Mark Wyatt here uh, telling stories about music and how much we all love music and how, you know, um, it's like anything, John, you know, when you, it, with music, when you hear it, it brings back a memory. And Mark was just talking about the 2008 World Series. First of all, how cool it was, was it to watch that whole season unfold from your vantage point that It was year. amazing. There, we had a lot of post-game celebrations for all the different ways up to the top. And... Um the you know the crowds were sold out every night. So uh, does your game have to be elevated the bigger the stage? Like, did you feel like more pressure on you during that World Series run that you've got to really kind of get this crowd going? Oh, I'd have to get the crowd going. They were they were yeah, going, they're already but going. I was just like pumping it up even more. But um, the the nice thing about working here is that there's not a lot of pressure on you from the people that I work with. Right. But there was more pressure as we got up to the 
the higher levels of the World Series. So, you know, I knew that there was a lot of people here that were listening to what I was doing. So I was what, what, What's your go-to, like, when, when it's, uh, let's say, a big moment like that. Let's say 2008, Game 5, and there's a big moment, right? And you right. want to get the crowd going. What song right. What song would you, what would be your couple go-to songs you would, you would throw on there? You know, because back um, in the day, it was like, then. We Will Rock You, or, right. you know, it would be stuff like that, or... or yeah, like, Some of that still holds, right, Mark? It still does. Um, I have a couple pages in my system of just all pump songs, and I would just jump to those. So what are some when of those? I need to, like, well, back then it was like Twilight Zone right. or um, Final Welcome Countdown. To the, Final Countdown, Welcome to the Jungle, all those types of songs. You know, metallic, anything really pumping, fuel. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we would throw them on a lot during the World Series because everything was pumped up. So it was so a, it was when Brad Lidge struck back uh, Eric Hinsky to, to what did you yeah. go to? Did I, you have it? Do you remember what song you played? I had the Who um, won't get fooled again. Just the end part with the scream and everything. And wow. I, I was still I was still playing with it even during that game just to make sure that the part that I had was going to be what I wanted at that specific moment because I knew it was going to be crazy in here. It was really loud. So you had Roger Daltrey screaming. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And then we had, after that, we had about like three hours of different celebrations yeah. and I had to play music during all that. So I wanted all, right. the, you know, I wanted as much, um, you know, pumped up stuff as I could find. So. That, okay, I was going to say, yeah. like, do you do a lot of like, Punny stuff, meaning that like during rain delays, playing like, have you ever seen the yep. rain and yep. all that? Or someone have, walks and you do walk this way or walk yep. like an Egyptian or right. not like an Egyptian, but yes, yes, I have a lot of walk songs. I have I have little songs for pretty much anything that can happen. So um, and yep. you already have it in your mind. I know you had to think ahead of time. Tom, you can address this too. I I remember like, all right, this guy gets a hit. I'm doing this. Like right. you in your head, right. you're telling you that because you yep. can't all of a sudden just react when someone does that. You've got to plan ahead of time. And you have to plan ahead for a lot of different. Um, situations. Right. Like you don't want to blow like your big yeah. song. If you have a big song for like the big moment, you want to blow it on a on a just on, on just a single. Uh, right. Because right. if somebody hits the next bat at triple, and then three guys wanna, come in, you want to use that big song. And and there's lots of different uh, things that can happen during that. Like we might be able to run a video, or we might have something that has audio with it. Or there's a lot of different ways that things can go now. There's there's a lot more, you know, presentation. Type material out there than there was back then. Mark, you, know, you mentioned rain delays, so that going on. that that just brings me back again, back to the '93 season, and I'll never forget that game that went to 4:41. We had six hours worth of rain delays. <laughs> we had Mickey Morandini in here a couple weeks ago. We were talking about that game, but uh, they had to shut down Fanavision because the rain you know, blowing out the light bulb. So literally uh, playing music, I'm playing uh, TV songs, you know, the Brady Bunch and Batman and Get Smart, and people were dancing to anything. I remember, uh, and we were talking about Paul Richardson before uh, too, and uh, when we hit uh, 1 o'clock, he hit a, a chime. 1-1. One, one. And then when we hit 2 o'clock in the morning, hit 2 chimes, 3 chimes. When it when he played four chimes at four o'clock in the morning, the place went nuts. The next break that uh, I had between innings, I played um, uh, "Still Crazy" after all these years, the Ray Charles uh, version, and I queued it up to the point where he goes, "It's foe in the morning, tapped out, yawning, long in my life away." And it and Chris Paul, <laughs> maybe it's just me and Chris were the only guys who got it, but it's like foe in the morning. You know, we were losing it by then. And, you right. know, but uh, well, I have a lot you of gotta kill time for midnight because we oh, hit right. midnight more than that. Yeah, um, I have I have probably 
I don't know, 10 or 15 songs just <laughs> for midnight. 15 midnight so if songs. So here during midnight, we have, you know, mid, after midnight. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Midnight Rider. Um, how about opposing t- uh, players? You ever, like, do something that more bust on opposing players? Uh, not that often. Um, we, we try to keep it fair. Yeah. Um, and I, we don't play any walk-up music or anything for them, except that one time right. we did Chase Utley. I did, I did the one that my biggest – you guys had, both had World Series doing music. I had the All-Star Game in 1996, which to me was awesome. And, I, and so I tried to come up with, like, different songs mm-hmm. for each player now again it was more fun there's no you know there's no ale i guess the american league was the foe but it really wasn't a foe right so i remember like frank thomas came up it was like you know hurt so good cause his name was big hurt you know and i had some other ones uh but ricky Batalico. I, I, I forget what i played yeah, for him what did you play for well ricky? i remember when ricky was a closer i thought a great one would be smashing pumpkins uh spied on my rage i am still just a rat in a cage <laughs> And I thought for some reason that just, that just got, that described Ricky. Yeah. And I, Did after, he like that? I was all excited. I'm like, after the game or a couple of days later, I'm like, Ricky, what do you think? He goes, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but you like that song. Who cares? Yeah. And actually, I'm like, sorry. That's all that matters. And that, uh, and, and exactly. That's all that matters. But on the All-Star game, the big thing was, if you remember, LL Cool J uh, sang uh, or uh, performed on the dugout, yeah. right? Well, we had rehearsed this and everything, right, during, early in the day. So I thought he was done because he kind of leaned over, and I thought he was, he was about to get off the dugout. And for whatever reason, I don't know what he was doing, but I turned the volume down. Then someone yelled, he's still on, he's still on, he's talking into the mic. And I had to make that split-second decision. Do I turn the music up and admit that I screwed up, or do I keep it down? I kept it down. Kept it down? And I heard he was mad uh, at, you know, afterwards. Of course so. he's mad. Right. There's so many little things that, that you don't realize about doing that you guys do, but, I mean, that people out there probably don't really realize that are going on while all this is taking place. There's a lot of do you have Do you stuff, have a gap? That, or do you have some stuff. kind of like a gap that, that, that stands out? That's something like that? Like something where... Mark, no. He's <laughs> never no, made a mistake. No, it's, all, it's all 100% You've perfect. You've never missed a cue when the Fanatic goes out waiting for a song and the Fanatic's standing there and then all no, of a sudden another Fnatic song comes on? No, come out one time. We were, ready to, we were ready to shoot hot dogs and I think the Fanatic's little car was out of gas or out of... A, <laughs> Might have been. Or out of... Um, so you were left with who let the dogs out and people were probably wondering what with, the heck? With, what's he doing? You know, and I think, you know, you have to make some quick decisions. Maybe really you can drive my car? <laughs> well, I know... <laughs> When, do that when, one. when I was playing music and I didn't play the music for the Fanatic, I'd be up there fumbling because, you know, yeah. again, it's a cassette and I'm up there, scro- uh, you know, totally scrambling. And the Fanatic would look up to the control room <laughs> and he'd see me like trying to put it in, pumping it in. You'd see his shoulders would kind of slump like, oh gosh, he's screwing up again. And then he would mock me and said, all, basically what he's saying through his actions, the Fanatic w- would go, all you have to do, and he bend down oh. with an index finger and just right. push a button. Yeah. Pretend like he's pushing a button. That's all you had to do, and you couldn't do it. <laughs> One of my favorite things is that we had a sound effect. We had a sound effect of an eight-track tape, and it was pants ripping. So when, when Eric Gregg would dust off the home plate, oh. I would, no, I would, really, I would do the pants ripping, Ouch. and then we hired. And I, I'm friends. I was friends with Eric. Gregg. Oh, he was the best. He, he was awesome. The best. And Kevin, obviously, you know, but I used to do that big, <laughs> you know, rip. And then when Joe West was on. Also, Joe West, they called him Country Joe West, and he had a he, he we had an awful Joe West album. You still might even have it up there, but it was a he sang yes. these country, famous country songs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was one song that basically you know any dog would be jealous. Cause it, was like, <laughs> it was a baseball type song. I remember that. And, but I would yeah. when they introduced Joe West, I would play that play song, that, sure. the, the really bad part of that yeah, really yeah. bad yeah. song. And Joe West <laughs> would occasionally look up there and just shake his yeah. head. Like, Couldn't you pick a better song than that one? Well, uh, you know, we were talking about Paul Richardson. Before 
before, and Paul had a wacky sense of humor too. I, he's there was a streaker that ran across the field at one point at the vet, and he uh, started playing "Is That All There Is" <laughs> by Patsy Cline. You know, so this isn't just yeah. us, guy. I mean, it yeah. goes back. And you know That's what, Paul, Paul at the end of the game would always play, and uh, this is a memory. Talk about how music can can kind of stir your memories as a kid. He would always play "Good Night, Sweetheart." As okay. you were leaving, good night, sweetheart, it's time to go. And as a kid, like, you kind of knew that song. Like, you saw uh, Sha Na Na, you know. It'd be like, oh, it's like you knew that song. Yep. There's a song that you play every night after every game. I'd never heard it anywhere else before. It's got an old, like, Frank Sinatra vibe to it. Yep. Uh, what's, what is that song? The song is uh, Back to Philadelphia. And um, it was it's by Bobby Burnett, yeah. who's no longer with us. Right, but right. he came in one night just out of the blue back in, I don't know, 2005 or something, and just came into the control room. We started talking, and he said, you know, I'm working on a Philadelphia song. Would you like to hear it? I said, sure. We always like Philadelphia songs, and um, there's not that many really good ones. And so he brought it in, and it's, it was just back to Philadelphia, PA, um, all about Philadelphia things. And I said, this is great. I, I'll play this whenever I can. I said, it's a great song. So I did. And then <clears throat> after like a year, he came back in and he said, you know, we're thinking about uh, putting some Phillies lyrics into this. And I said, that'd be fantastic. He goes, what do you think about that? I said, bring it in. So he brought it in. That was the next year. And um, that's that started it. Can you find and that I, song anywhere? Is that like I, on iTunes? I think it's or, on iTunes. Is yeah. it? Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's awesome. It's I love great. It. And, and speaking uh, of making, so I wonder if Doctor Dog. Remember Doctor Dog yeah. made mm-hmm. a fanatic song. Absolutely, yeah, which was an uh, which awesome song. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we still play that. Mark yeah. plays it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great um, song. And um, anyway, Bobby Burnett used to call during the summer, just out of the blue. I'd be walking down like the Wildwood Boardwalk. Yeah. You get a phone call. Oh, this is Bobby Burnett. You still playing my song? I said, of course. Absolutely. Goes, Thank God bless you. Keep on doing it. Oh, it's said, too bad he passed on because it would have been yep. cool to just have him sing that like live you know, at the ballpark. And, you know, and there but. was some talk about maybe having him sing it live here um, in that World Series yeah. time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, good stuff. That's, well, He was good. You know what, Mark? Uh, I'm sorry to say, but uh, we're, we've come to the part of the program where John is going to torture you with Uh-oh. a Trivia question. Oh, well, or a trivia we, before challenge. We go, before we go there, the current team right now, who has the best walk-up song, in your opinion? On our team, I have the list right here. I'm, uh, like I said, a lot of them are Spanish. Um, well, why don't you give that list real quick? So, well, like um, Hoskins has Slide by Calvin Harris. So that's probably the one that people recognize the most, although it, it's not a, not a fantastic song. It's okay. Right. You know. Um, the, yeah, uh, look at that. Yeah, you're right. A lot of the, a lot of Hispanic songs. Right. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of Spanish songs. Um, Incubus, Zach Evans. Th- this is a, this is a different one. Um, it's called Club to Death by Rob Dugan. Well, um, that sounds like an uplifting song. But, no, it, but it is. It's actually a really good song. Yeah, it's um, and it's got some piano uh, introduction at the beginning of it, and people go, "What is?" The whole control room says, really? "What is this? Who picked this song?" I said, "What do you think? I make this stuff up? I just play what they want." Right. So he picked that one, and it, it it's good. So that's that. Um, my kind. Of, there's some country songs. My kind of party. Jason yeah. Aldean. Um, Newsboys. I think people Aaron like. I, I think people like Kingery's song. Uh, let, let me clear, clear my throat. throat. Right. Um, but there's 
There's not there's not a lot of fantastic songs at the moment, or songs that really. Um, well, I know you're out. always lamenting that, but Mark, because you know you, we we they, like the they change you, all the time. You like to play current music, but sometimes it's just not either appropriate or if it's just not. I don't know. Uh, yeah. um, we mentioned uh, Led Zeppelin with Chase Utley. There's a band, Greta Van Fleet, that yeah. sounds yes. like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, they got I this I unbelievable that. song that I've played for a couple of the players. So I'm hoping one of these guys will. Because I think that... that the, I forget the, the Highway name. song? Yes, yes. That song would yes. be, I think, an awesome song for someone's walking. It is a good song, and I think it'll be played. Also, uh, Volbeat has a lot of good songs out there. And... Um, so starting to hear a couple of them sneak in, too. So All right. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I didn't know we had the current uh, songs here. Now, John, are you ready for uh, the trivia well, challenge? Or I don't what? have to be ready. It's more if, if Mark uh, is ready. No, you have uh. to be ready. You, your preparation for this now, has really been uh, yes. <laughs> no, Mark, this lacking. Mark, al- this always goes awry. Wow. So yeah, let's, just, I, let's, see no if this, let's see if this is the first time there's no controversy, there's no dispute, because <laughs> uh, there has been every one of them. Ready? Um, I'm going to have to put my, wow. my reading glasses on for and this. And I imagine because Mark is the music man, yes. this is going to be a music-based trivia, yes. correct? And yeah. the good, good news is you get A, B, C, or D. Okay? Oh, okay. Now, <laughs> extra, like the credit, extra credit if you can tell me you know, within three seconds after I ask the question who it is wow. without even doing that. You'll get extra credit. Wow. All right. Wait, time out. What's he playing for? He is playing, yeah. Tom. Well, what's the, give- the next giveaway? It's Sunday, right? The John Cruck. On June 10th. Pullover, sponsored uh-huh. by Chevy. Very nice. Father's Appreciation Day. Okay. All men 15 and over. Well, I think Mickey Morandini won one. I think, over 15. Uh, I'm over 15, and I am a father, so yes. I'm already ahead of the game. All right, there you go. You win one of those. All right, Even though you're going to get one, but you're going to get a special one. Uh, I can imagine. All right, ready? Question number one. <coughs> Which oh singer went to grade school with Steve Miller, then became a vocalist for Steve's band, The Marksman, at the age of 15? He went to college with Steve Miller. He appeared on Steve Miller's first two albums, then his own band, uh, with his own band. He had a successful career. In fact, his album in 1976 went to number two on the Billboard charts, and it was comprised of studio musicians who later formed Toto. How about that? Oh. And, I'll, and I'll give you uh, the name of that album, Silk Degrees. Oh, uh, he's going to get it then. Maybe not. Bob Skaggs? Bob Skaggs. See, I knew that. Because yeah. he didn't know. I, would if, I was going to say A, Peter Frampton, B, Neil Diamond, C, Bob Skaggs, D, yes, Bob Seger. Yes, I would have got you it. You would have got so it. So that question <laughs> literally had like 14 uh, uh, hints to hints. it. So. All right. Oh, okay. here's, <laughs> it, it, here's the other somewhat long yeah. one. The next ones, next ones are, are brief. All right. Question number two. Okay. What guitar virtuoso was Steve Miller's godfather? Uh, Steve, if Steve's dad was best man at this guy's wedding. His, uh, Steve Miller's dad was a jazz... A lot of Steve Miller stuff. Yeah. St- uh, st- Steve Miller's dad was a jazz enthusiast, an accomplished recording engineer. He was also a pathologist by day. Um, but he uh, he was friends with a lot of guys. Uh, in fact, <laughs> T-Bone Walker taught him how to play guitar behind his back and with his teeth. So who's Steve Miller's godfather? Was I think it, the pathologist, was pathologist by day hint was the one that really is going to wow. help him for this yeah. one. Go ahead, John. The, God, the, the yeah. godfather of soul. Was it A, T-Bone Walker, B, Les Paul, C, Howlin' Wolf, D, Muddy Waters? And what was the question again? <laughs> what, 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 guitar, what guitar virtuoso was Steve Miller's godfather? Gee. The godfather no of Steve Miller. I'll T-Bone Walker, Les Paul, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters. Uh, I have no idea. B. B is right. right. That's yeah, Paul. that's Paul. Wow. Yep. You're right. All right. It gets easier here. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> what is Meatloaf's real name? Oh. Okay. Okay. Is it A. Matthew J. O'Leary, B. Martin Paul O.J., <laughs> C. Michael Lee Aday, D. Michael Ray Ali? <laughs> 
Really? Wow. Whatever happened to John Smith and Roy Jones? So it was A, Martin Paul O.J., B, Matthew J. O'Leary, C, Michael Lee Aday, D, Michael Ray Ali. I have no idea. D. D. Michael Ray Ali. That is incorrect. Okay. It is Michael Lee Aday. Oh, I was close. Though. He was born Marvin Lee Aday, but for some reason it, it turned into Michael Lee Aday. I'm not a big Meatloaf fan, but All I do right. have one song. So C probably isn't if he was born Melvin. So was it Michael? Marvin. Marvin? Marvin? Yeah. But it was Michael. He's known as Michael. On his, Michael. Per, on his driver's license, it says Michael right. Lee Aday. Yeah. But speaking of meatloaf, would you like to promote something, Tom? <laughs> what? <laughs> speaking of meatloaf, would you like to promote something? Yes. Yeah, speaking of meatloaf, uh, you know, we have Retro Night coming up this Friday. Yes. Or next Friday. Friday, the June 8th. June yeah. 8th. And um, there is going to, meatloaf's not going to be here, but Matt Mailer, and again, Matt is going to be coming on. Now, who's Matt Mailer for our listeners? He is uh, the guy who plays all the different characters at the ballpark. When you see the umpire Fake take umpire, off his yeah. pants, or, you know, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Matt's always taking off his pants. It's the, in his job description. The wheel is spinning, but the hamster's dead. Correct. And he has played so many different characters. We're going to have a great show in Matt's Matt on. That's great. But Matt he wants, you know, the great song at Meatloaf, because Meatloaf really was more of a late 70s. But he uh, had 80s resurgence group. in the 90s. With what song, John? With, uh,. I would do anything for Why is it when he, he can't say that song? He always sings it. But, but yeah, I won't so, do that. So Matt's, we can't get meatloaf, so Matt's going to show up as pot roast. <laughs> yeah, it's not meatloaf. We, don't want, we didn't want to get sued by meatloaf's people yeah, for no. trademark infringement, so we went with pot roast. Yeah, he's going to be pot roast on Friday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Matt is great, All so right. I'm sure that'll be great. All right, question number uh. four. What lead singer, and again, you can steal this right away, no pun intended here, because what lead singer from Steeler's Wheel, stuck in the middle with you, right, <laughs> formed his own successful band in the 70s? Do you know this answer off the top of your head? I do not. Is it A, Jerry Rafferty, B, Don McLean, C, Nick Lowe, or D, Warren Zevon? Oh, man. I don't know. Warren Zevon. Baker Street? Baker Street help you out a little bit? Baker Street, uh, yeah. Um Read the four answers again. Jerry Rafferty, That's Don McClain. Right Jerry Rafferty is correct. Yes. All right, we'll give that to you. I, and then the last one is, now Tom gave me a little uh, hint, said he, that you love Casey and the Sunshine I Band. I do like Casey and the Sunshine Band. All right, Band. so what was Casey from Casey and the Sunshine Band's real name? Harry Casey. Can I just say my answer? I'm my, sorry. What? <laughs> I thought I might listen give a special. To me, well, listen to these well, options. You, you are right. <laughs> but, you, but, if you, but you have to tell me. If you want extra credit, you got to tell me his middle name because you just said Harry Casey. Oh, wow. Well, listen to these All options. Right. Go ahead. Read your was options, it, John. Was it Harry Wayne Casey? Was it John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> no, I know that's not one. <laughs> was it Billy Lane Macy? No. Or was it Kevin Casey Wayne? I was no. trying to throw you off with the Kevin Casey Wayne because no. you would go KC. I, yeah. I, I basically catfished uh, Tom Burgoyne over A. there with that one. No, no. A. All right. Hey, you got a, a John Wayne Gacy? No, no. A John Wayne Gacy was B. Um, Harry, and Harry Wayne Harry Casey. Harry Wayne Casey. Right, you was, got that right. It's really good. Um, doesn't sound that great today, but in the 70s was fantastic. And his music still gets people dancing all the time. Yeah. And, so, and for those that don't know Casey and the Sunshine Band, it is I'm Your Boogeyman, yep. Shake Your Booty, yep. Get Down Tonight. Yep. Right? Yep. Uh, all those. And there's probably 10 more really good ones that are... Um, that get people moving. Right I away. met KC uh, in the Galapagos, not in Galapagos, in uh, Ecuador. We were getting ready to go over to the Galapagos. I was with the fanatic and with my family, and uh, he was in the hotel lobby. I came over and said, "Hey, KC, how you doing?" I met him myself. Did you meet Cool in the Gang in Honduras too? <laughs> cool in the Gang, no, KC in Ecuador. Like um, but yeah, I did meet. K I met Harry Casey. <laughs> cool in the Gang. 
Uh, I like doors. Cool in the Gang, though. Any, any of those songs that oh, just get started? That's, like why, that. that's why we went 70s music on you, Mark, because uh, you know the good music, the good I do stuff. Know the, this, this job um, doesn't involve knowing that much about the history of the bands, like, as you can tell. Right. But um, it does involve knowing... Songs, yeah, so and what I people are going to be gotta, dancing and grooving you to. You got to know a lot of music, but you don't necessarily have to know who made it. Well, keep so, on doing yeah. what you're doing, Mark. We love your work. Yes. Uh, keep thank rocking you. the house. It's a great job, and uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, right, thanks for coming thanks. in. Thank thanks for putting up with another terrible trivia qu- uh, <laughs> question uh, <laughs> challenge by John. I didn't do that bad. No, you won. A, you right. won the uh, the shirt. I Go should get a shirt and maybe some meatloaf. And if there are any <laughs> listeners left after that, the bot, you know that the botch <laughs> trivia challenge. Uh, hopefully, you'll tune in next week. And uh, we're, we're happy. I don't know who our guest is going to be. John, we're working on we're it. Brainstorming right? our next meeting. Yeah, because we have that '93, um, the '93 game uh, coming up. The, yeah, uh, so yeah, we can get that Tommy Green, maybe. Yeah, I think we're looking at Tommy, but we'll we'll talk about it. Mark, thanks uh-huh. again for stopping in. Thanks. thanks everybody for tuning in. Rob Brooks, thanks for pushing all the right buttons back Skip there. Skip Dannenberg and Skip Dannenberg for our uh, great theme song. And, and we'll Melissa s- Mani for doing the photo for the uh, cover shoot. Yeah, we have our own. How about that? We have our own. Uh, Photo like a, it's not a headshot, but it's a, f- a promotional. Yeah, our next picture. step is a videographer. We need to we need to put this on video. There you go. Uh, we need to talk to Fanavision. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> it is. We will talk to Fanavision Associates. All right, we're signing off. <laughs> and uh, hey, everybody, we'll see you at the ballpark. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.